All aboard the gravy train! Are you riding your financial planner or broker's gravy train? Your financial prospectus outlines how brokers are allowed to charge you hidden fees. Next stop, hidden fees! Want to take back control of your retirement income? Just get off at the next stop. And tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategy. Strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power. Hey, welcome to the show. Power. Financial Hour. It's for news, talking information. I love it that we're here today, every every week, talking about your family's finances. Of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. I think that's a big part of it, right? Is to make sure that we're doing things the right way. And you notice that in life, whatever the project, having sex, be married, have a sibling, work with a family member. You ever notice you have a different way of doing things? You just might be that person who thinks doing it. One, three, four, two is different than doing it one, two, three, four, right? Sometimes different orders and at the end you get the same result. It's often because, at least in my experience, different financial personalities. So I want to share with you my experience, 28 years, different financial personalities, what I have found, why I think people are different and what makes them different. Because part of what you need to understand is what kind of financial personality are you? Because if you can do that, if you can find out what financial personality you have, and maybe even your partner, you've heard of the love languages. That's where I got this idea from many, many years ago. I don't know, probably 15 years ago or so. I started noticing patterns. So after nearly, or well, at least 10 years in business, I started going through this process. I'm like, I see patterns of behavior. This person marries this person. One wants to invest in rental property. The other one said, I'll leave you if you want to invest in rental property. It destroyed my parents' marriage. I'm not going to let that happen to us. And the other one said, well, this is, this is how my family became wealthy. Another person said, you know, I'm going to save in our retirement accounts. And she says, well, we need the money now. He says, we have enough money now. She says, well, if we don't have enough money now in our emergency accounts, then why are we even saving for the future? And then he says, I mean, you get my point? Everybody's different. They all have these different things they call normal or what they call actual reality in their life, which is different for each of us. So I want to go over your financial profile. All right, grab your pen and paper because this is a little bit of a work sheet. Uh, You know, you can grab a scratch paper or something. Uh, You can even kind of sit down and, 
and put it in your phone or your, your iPad, whatever it might be, okay? This is important. All right, it's called the Smart Financial Profile. I created it, but the ideas and the concepts internally are ones from my experience. And I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I'm sure I've stolen some ideas from some people somewhere at some time. And here's the reason, very simply, it's because life is full of a lot of different um, folks that are kind of building their, their financial profile. And, and in case with all of us, right at the same time, it's the guys and gals out there that are building their financial life and write books. So we read those books. Right? Our job is to go out and read the books, learn and educate. So in other words, some of this stuff may sound familiar, but that's the job of it. All right. First of all, the SMART Financial Profile, S-M-A-R-T. It all stands for something. First is safety. The S is safety. So what do I mean by safety? I'm going to give you the pros and cons of each. I'm not going to get into the whole class that I teach on this. I'm just going to give you the pros and cons. And uh, while you have your pen and paper, 888 retire That's 888 888-99, retire. All right. When I say safety, here's what I mean. They're the person who saves a lot. They don't take risk. All right. So you will see them out there in a couple of different ways. You'll see them out there uh, taking advantage of CDs. They ladder CDs, money market accounts. They stay in, in the safer, if you will, fixed annuities. Okay. They don't take a chance at any kind of investment where they could lose safety. All right. So what's the good? Well, generally they don't have debt. They're also smart with a debt, by the way, they have emergency money, emergency cash. If there's a problem, they have it, but what's the bad with somebody that's safety oriented? Well, it's a couple of things. Number one, they're never going to keep up with inflation. And if they do, it's barely keeping up with inflation especially the Biden inflation. The Biden inflation has really been double digits for the last three years. People say, oh, it's down to 3%. Yeah, but that's three on top of 10 on top of 12. The cost of goods compared to three years ago, look it up. Gasoline, energy, your electric bill, your natural gas, right? You, you take a look, you'll see where inflation compounds itself. Well, if you're a safety-oriented person, you're not going to have money in a place that is beating that. All right, that's S. Second, M. You guys know this person. M is mellow. What do they do about finances? Nothing. Nothing. They're on the couch watching the game. You ask them about the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1940. They will tell you that statistic. NASCAR, football, it doesn't matter. Pick a thing fishing. They have something they're passionate about and they will talk to you until you're blue in the face. But ask them about money. What do they say? Money is the root of all evil. No, the love of money is the root of all evil, meaning the love of anything other than Christ is what the Bible points out to the love of money, not money, the love. You switch your love to the love of Cheetos. Well, it's probably not biblical, right? The love of anything that can take your heart off. Of, so do you follow me on this? The mellow person often thinks money is dirty. They'll spend only what they need. What's the pros? They generally have less stress about money. They generally have a little bit more of a case, sera, sera attitude. Let life be. 
That's them. What's the bad? They often get taken advantage of. They're the men or the women in divorce that come home one day, they find the entire house empty, bank accounts dry. They go to their divorce court, their judge, and they sit there and say, where's my money? And the judge says, well, don't you know where it is? And she says, no. Or he says, I don't know. Because they had very little interest in money way back when. Okay, so there's a difference there. I want you to understand, none of these are bad or good. You can be a bad safety or a good safety. You can be, right? It's about the actions that you take. If this is your financial personality, there are things you can do. I'm not going to cover it just for the sake of time. It's a four-hour class I teach. If you're interested in in coming, you can reach us at 888-997-3847, 888-99-RETIRE. I haven't put it online yet, but maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do a webinar. The problem is when you guys do a webinar, you have the cat, the dog, you have an Amazon delivery. So you look at the webinar kind of, sort of. You're not really engaged. In a classroom environment, your phones have to be off. You have to pay attention. So you get the pros and cons of that as well. All right, here's my other. All right, and I'm going to tell you which one of these are men and women predominantly because some of them are predominantly men or women. At least this is my experience. I think I'm right in the neighborhood. We, we kind of did a rough calculation between 12 and 14,000 people that I've met with, probably closer to 15 and 28 years. All right, so this isn't something just came out yesterday. This isn't like a, I mean, really, like a Jim Cramer who's just trying to get your votes, Mr. Liberal. Remember Cudlow and Cramer, uh, Cudlow and Cramer? right? He, he would be, uh, it was a, basically like crosstalk, left and right, Hannity and Combs. Remember that? That was big on stations. Today, you can't have an opposing view. You can't have somebody with another idea. But anyway, Cramer was the one that was the socialist and the leftist of the two. So, all right, let's go. Smart, S-M-A-R-T. So what's the A? A is action. You know this person. Network marketing to network marketing. Idea to idea. Jimmy's ideas. What's David's deals today? What is he doing? What's the, Oh, I'm, I'm selling vitamins. I'm selling this uh, juice drink. I'm selling, uh, you know, the Amway. Whatever it is, none of those are bad or good. And all of those have, I think, all of the network marketing can have a level of success, by the way. Financially speaking, it's you or me that's the problem in the story. You're the one that has to figure out how to get out of the way. But in an action person, they generally don't spend enough time to get great at anything. They're good at a lot of things. So you'd go to his house, and often it's a guy. That's why you'll hear me say him. You'll go to his house and and look in the garage. What do you see? Oh, my gosh. Are those $3,000 golf clubs? They are. Wow, cool. So, Steve, when have you been golfing? He goes, oh, well, you know, I, I don't golf much anymore, but check this out, scuba diving. That's the new thing. And you're like, what? When did you start scuba diving? About three weeks ago. You should see. Check it out. This regulator is $900. I have, and all of a sudden, they're telling you stuff. You go, but, 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 wait a second. Go back. Tell me about the golf clubs again. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't really care. They just sit in the corner. So, you see, they go from golf to scuba diving to archery. So how does that manifest itself financially? This person goes from idea, business idea, to business idea. They take a class, then they get better at something, and then they change careers. They go from this latest, greatest idea. This this is a cryptocurrency that is 0.00, so I'm buying it for one cent, and then I'm going to sell it, and it's going to go big. And then they 
Right? They're the ones that go often go, we're rich, we're poor, we made it, we lost it. Often that's an action person. But what's the pros? What's the good? That's where new ideas come from. From those people willing to swing hard, take a chance. Sometimes they actually find something they're going to be great at. So they go from idea to idea, but then one day they wake up and they actually find something they're really darn good at. And they want to get great at. That's the pro. What's the con? Bad debt. They often go into debt with all these things. Or they divert money that they could have been spending in a retirement account, saving in investments, saving in annuities, building future income, building wealth. Well, they've spent it on the next greatest, latest thing, which goes down in value. Follow me. That's an action item. That's an action person. All right. What is the R? R is relationship. So that person, that R, what do they do? Well, they're wearing older shoes. They have an older house. They haven't really remodeled anything in years, maybe decades. They have the same shirt. Why? Because it still works. It's clean. It's nice. I mean, it's clean. But the latest trends and the latest styles, not really. 14-year-old car, 17-year-old car, still works. Nothing wrong with it. They're a person who goes into debt or spends money for other people. You see, a relationship person is often somebody who is doing it for you. I'm doing it for someone else. I'm doing it for them. Right? So my daughter needs $1,000. Here it is. My son needs a new car. Here it is. My, my, my daughter wants to live in one of my rental properties uh, with her two roommates, and she's not going to pay rent. I'm like, yeah, but you understand you still have a mortgage on it. Yeah, it's okay. I'm going to pay it. Yeah, but you only have Social Security. It doesn't matter. You see my point? They're not bad people. In fact, the good part about them is they actually make a difference in people's lives. They make other people's lives better. I like that. I like that they care enough about other people. What's the bad? They never really care for themselves. They didn't really build enough savings. They don't really have enough adventure or, or travel or their life retirement living standards. It, it, it's just they don't do it. Everything is about other people. So what is the bad? Well, in most cases, believe it or not, they just never fill up that feeling. My experience has been when I'm dealing with somebody with a relationship person, it's almost like an addiction. They're going to that next feeling. And they get a little high by helping somebody and it goes away. Then I run over here and I give a little and it goes away. And then I do something nice for somebody and it goes away. Now, listen, it can go away in two weeks, two months, two minutes. Right? The homeless guy at the, outside of the, the grocery store. You can give him money. The feeling is there and then it goes away. So my, my negative to a relationship person is if you don't recognize who you are in all of these smart profiles, where your limitations are, where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are, you have to understand those. If you don't, then what you will end up doing, and this is a very important part of this, is you will end up being somebody who, who loses all the time. And I don't want you to lose all the time. Right? I want you to win sometimes. And the way you win sometimes is simple. You have to take care of yourself first. Put your mask on before you put anybody else's mask on.
right? You've seen that? <laughs> That's why banks do it that way. Banks will say, hey, listen, before you put your mask on, put uh, or before you put anybody else's mask on, the kid, even the baby, the youngster, because it's great. You put his mask on. You help your son with his brand new whatever. You help his daughter, your daughter, your, your child, your ne- niece, nephew. And they're never in a position to help you because they haven't grown. You've heard the caterpillar story. All right. You have to push. You have to, you have to get banged up. You have to have scars. You have to, I, I, this is, look, by the way, this is one of those that I am is the relationship. So I'm sharing this with you from, from a standpoint of a guy who, who's trying to overcome. Right. So I work with this daily on my own life. And so I know ways to do it. So I share that with our clients. That's pretty fun. All right. Financially speaking, what is the T in the smart S M A R T? What's the T? All right, guys, technical. You're the technical person. You're the guy that goes out. And when you come into my office, I say, hey, do you happen to have uh, an idea about how much you earn or any financial accounts you'd like me to look at? And you produce a spreadsheet, not a statement that you received in the mail last week, but a whole spreadsheet. You flip your laptop over. You know, Eric, the way you had it laid out it really wasn't that good. Let me show you how I would do it. <laughs> and you take and you spread it all out and break it down into quarters and annual and averages. Again, not a bad thing. It doesn't mean it's evil or dirty or wrong. What does it mean? It means you're a technical person. What is the good about being a technical person? Simple. You are a researcher. You find out things that many other people don't know. And actually, that's what I found with the technical is that's where you think your strength is, is knowing information that others don't know. You think your strength as a technical person is having data information that other people don't have. And I I think that's not a bad idea. You know, it's not bad. It just means you're not in a position to do something else, which is what? Ready? Ready? It means you're not somebody who's in a position to trust. You see, a technical person has a very difficult time trusting and consequently will end up losing relationships in his life, often because it's a guy, of course. You heard the story. Because in the story, in the process, people are done being questioned. Like, okay, that's enough. I'm sorry, I just, if you can't, Trust me by now. I'm trying to fix your car. You wanted to know where the parts were made. What's the oil that I'm using? Where is it uh, that, look, when you push the button in your car or turn the key, does it work? Yeah, good, good, good. You trust somebody on the other side of that yellow line. You understand that. You're going 50 miles an hour down a side street. The other person is going 50 miles an hour. That means your closing distance, if you remember back in algebra class, Two trains leave Ohio at the same time. They're convert. Remember that? When they're closing towards each other, it's 50 miles an hour for you, 50 miles an hour for the guy four feet on the other side of the yellow line. And you trust that he is not going to cross that double yellow line. So don't tell me you don't trust. What you don't trust is certain people. Strangers, you're okay not trusting. Things you think you cannot control. However, if the goal is to build wealth and be financially successful, right? If that is your thing, which is what we're talking about, 
then eventually you have to understand as a technical person, certain data doesn't matter. That is almost sacrilegious. You talk to a, a technical person and they're going to tell you, hey, listen, I, every piece of data matters. Sometimes it just doesn't. It's nice to have it if you feel like you want to. Like a rabbit's foot, you can have it. It's nice. It's fluffy. It's nice. Oh, oh. It doesn't do anything, but you can have it. What's the good? They research. They find the right information that they need. The problem is they often find more than they need. And really, realistically, I think the biggest problem with a technical person, and you guys see them, they come to my office with pocket protectors, they're engineers, they're good people, they're smart people. I just want you to understand if this is who you are or, or if you're married to this person, and that's the other part, right? You understand if you're married to these people, you have to learn how to work with them. So that you can buy what you need for the kids without spending four months researching a $300 television set. Right? If you have a safety person and you're trying to say, I'd like to buy a vacation home or I, I think it's time to buy a new car because the safety features are better. The safety person's going to say, listen, I only have $400,000 sitting in the savings account. Anything can happen. But what if? And you say, well, I think we have enough saved. Well, how do you know we have enough saved? Do you follow me? So, so each of these personality types have a great place in life. All right, so here's my observation. And then I'm going to get to some, uh, some updated local stuff that's happening uh, at the bottom of the hour. But I want to finish up this half an hour with this. All of you are one of these predominantly. Again, my experience. Thousands and thousands of people I have not found somebody who is a different financial profile than one of these five. So all of you have one of these that's a predominant one. This is your main one. Then you have a second one that's kind of close. And depending on experiences, it can flip, right? Like I was more of an action person before we had kids. Ooh, now we have kids. I got to be a bit more safe. So that kind of rose up a little bit. But relationships really matter to me. They kind of didn't when you're a young man and you're out trying to change the world and whatever, whatever I was doing, working multiple jobs. And, but it could be a death in the family. It could be something like somebody gets sick and suddenly one of your personality types changes, loses a job, win the lotto, right? A lot of things can happen along the way that can push you into a position of shifting number one and number two, maybe back and forth. And then all of us have one that is at the bottom. Like you are not this whatsoever. You are not Kesarasara, laissez-faire when it comes to your finances. You are not a technical person. You off, operate off of gut instinct, right? Technical and relationship are almost opposites. Just like safety and action are opposites. So if you're a technical person, you spend a lot of time researching. If you're a relationship person, you know what you're doing? I trust my gut. I have my intuition. So if you find that you're more of a relationship person as a predominant one, it's difficult to be married to somebody that's a technical one. Now, you can, of course, deference to each other, respect for each other's personality and, and opinion and, and points of view. There's lots of ways to still financially succeed, even though you might be an opposite personality type, 
right? Action person. Boy, they can cause us to get bankrupt. They can cause problems. So you give them an allowance. You say, listen, I don't care what you spend these $300 a month, $500 a month, a dollar. I don't know. Figure it out. Give the action person some sense of control because that's part of their personality is I want control. So you have to have that extra ability for the action person to feel like they have something they control, that they own, that they are a part of. And if you do that, now what do you have? Well, now you have somebody who lives a life in an opposite way, right? That the personality of a mellow who couldn't care less usually is the guy. Sometimes women, women, if they're mellow, my experience has been, they generally flip to safety. That's kind of their default. For a man who's mellow, it's somebody else will take care of it. Somebody else will cover it. It's done at the job. Great example. I had a Caltrans engineer, very high up, 280000 a year, something like that in income. Huge, huge income. I said, okay, what about your other retirement accounts? I don't have any. Why? I don't understand it. I don't really care. But I love soccer. He was a soccer uh, fan. So he loved football or soccer. That was his thing. All he did is he knew that at a certain age, he was going to receive a pension from CalPERS, the Caltrans pension system. I said, but what if it doesn't pay out? What if they aren't giving you pay raises? What if you decide other things to, well, doesn't matter. Sorry. I don't know. I don't care. I can't understand it. His thing was soccer and he had a government job. Never to worry about money ever again because that was his idea. Just like somebody who is, I mean, you can imagine, right? An elderly grandmother who dies with $5 million, $3 million, whatever. I mean, I've seen it. And you go, but grandma, you, you haven't updated the couches since we had plastic on top of the couches. We have the same runner in the middle of the carpet that we've had for 25 years. Well, as long as you kids are taken care of, that's what matters to me. Right? Relationship. All of them are great. They all have a good place. All right, stay with me after the break. I've got some updates on nurses, teachers, police officers. What do they all have in common? Coming up next. After the break, I'm Arab Halaby, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. On AM870, The Answer, we'll be right back. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. Hey, at the top of the hour, we have your emails. So as you are gathering your paperwork, right, <laughs> writing things down, let me give you our email. It's Arif. That's my first name, Arif. It's my grandfather's name. Some of you wonder, where did it come from? What does it mean? I'll tell you that in a second. Arif, A-R-I-F, at T-F-S, stands for total. T is in total. F is in financial. S as in solutions. 
So Total Financial Solutions, okay? That's the name of the company. TFS Financial and Insurance Services. That's our company. So TFSWealth.com. Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFSWealth.com. Okay, it's my grandfather's name. My dad's from Lebanon. My mom's American, a Michigan farm girl. I'm as white as President Obama. We are both the exact same percentage of Caucasian, just so you know. We are both white by 50%. He looks darker than me. I don't know if you noticed that in some of our pictures. It's always funny how he'll identify as a black man, just like Michael Jackson. Remember Michael Jackson dyed his skin? I don't know if it was vitiligo or whatever it was. Um, felt First of all, I felt very sorry for him until I found out the crimes he was committing against children. You can go to YouTube uh, and look up his deposition and look up his interviews. Disgusting. Right? I still loved his music. But anyway, side note, what he did when he was being, quote, persecuted is he went to the black community in the first Amy church and all of them loved him. And then the same thing happened with uh, Fannie Willis, right? Remember when she ran? To, it's a black woman trying to be successful. No, ma'am, it's money laundering through higher wages of your boyfriend, who is a prosecutor, in turn, so that he could spend money on your vacations. That's it. It isn't that difficult. You paid him more money so he could turn around and give you money in the form of dollars, maybe, sir, certainly, rather, but in vacations, by your own admission. Oh, but it's about a black woman being, look, would you knock it off? You know, we were so proud. We raised our kids in a predominantly white area, I don't know, 90%, 95%, I don't know, whatever it was, I don't care. And I remember when my son was playing on the playground, he's probably six years old, my oldest boy, and there were kids playing and he was talking about wanting to, can I share uh, trucks, little trucks, you know, dump trucks in the the sand and north of the park. Can I share trucks with uh, Jimmy? I forget his name, but whatever. I said, which one is Jimmy? He said, he's over there. Well, there's a bunch of kids over there. And he points over there, and he said, it's the one with the blue shirt. Well, Jimmy was black. My son didn't care. We never spoke about it. It didn't matter. But Jimmy had a blue shirt on. Do you see how young kids identify? They don't know or understand or care about race. Jimmy wasn't getting an extra truck because he was affirmative action, and we didn't take a truck away from him because of racism. Jimmy just had a blue shirt. That's it. Do you see the difference? Today, imagine the same thing. Today, imagine a kid on a playground and across the park. He starts identifying kids, well, maybe even by their pronouns. That's a she, she, her, him thing, dad. The they, them thing. Do you see how crazy it is? You can pollute the minds of kids or you can help fulfill the minds of children to be good and decent human beings. I don't know. Just a side note. And the reason I bring it up is this. What do police officers, nurses, firefighters, I forgot to say airline pilots have in common? All of them across the board are lowering standards. Airline pilots, lowering standards in the United States. So there's been a decrease in airline pilots. Allegiant, American, Delta, Southwest. They're hiring a record number of pilots. And what did they do but lower the standards? Why? Major United States airlines like United, Delta, and Southwest have all lowered hiring standards in 
one way or another, reports. Can you imagine that? Wait a second. Are you a they, them, gay, buy something? Okay, great. Then I'm going to hire you. How about you just go back and say, are you wearing a blue shirt? Because I, I care about people. I don't, I don't care about the rest of those things. Police officers. When I was in the police department, many of you know, I spent almost 11 years in the Los Angeles Police Department. It's a great career, actually. I really liked it. Encourage, I don't know about today. I encourage people, if you didn't join the military, join something else where you're giving more than you are receiving. And today that is not education. I'm sorry. If you're a young educator, I would say get out. Oh, Eric, we're going to fight. Okay, then you fight. But if you're just going to go in to parrot the left-wing DEI type, then get out. Just go do something else. You're not going to make a difference. You're just going to be a, a facility, like a prison guard. That's what you are, a prison, a prison guard, because you can't kick out kids that fight, that hit you, that disrespect you. You can't dis- you, you follow me? It's like a prison guard. Not everybody, not all the time. Eric, my school is different. Wonderful. Bless you. But what are they doing when I was a Los Angeles police officer where I got the lowest possible male white score? I didn't know this. I didn't know it until I got in the, in the academy. They hired me. I think they hired around 90 of us in our academy class, 92 or something like that. It took me six months to go through the process, all the background and the psych and all that stuff, physical, different tests. You pass one, you go to the next. It took me six months. I got hired. I got in there. I'd never had any military experience. I came straight from college and living in my parents' garage. I didn't have a whole lot of world experience. I traveled a little bit around the world, around the country, but nothing nothing cross-cultural of any sort. Grew up in LA, it's just normal. But here's the difference. I'm sitting in there just happy as a clam that I am being paid to work out because I worked out anyway. Being paid to learn to shoot, great. Being paid to learn the law and report writing, awesome. I had to pay the you know, months before while I was in school, I was paying. Now they're paying me to sit in classroom. I think this is awesome. Learn Spanish. I learned Spanish in college. Loved it. And I'm sitting there. And one of the men stand up. Young, well, young man. I guess he was probably in his mid-20s at the time. And he mentions in very strict abonics vernacular that he was there with a 74% on his oral score. Now, mind you, I told you I got the lowest. It was 94. I didn't get any points for the military. I didn't get anything. He was in the military and got five points, which meant his score was probably 69 because they give you five points for the military back then. So he went from 69 to 74. They hired him. I don't don't know if he stayed on and, and did an awesome career. I don't know if their hiring process or scoring process is indicative of your potential success in law enforcement. But the point is, I know he thought he was trying to be encouraging, but he's a nice person. I, I don't know anything about his scores or or how he scored or anything, but, but he was trying to be encouraging. I, I give him that much. But 35 years ago, when you tell me that you're, you're on the job because affirmative action gives you a better shot than somebody who's a male Caucasian, that's, that's quite demoralizing, right? We had males there that had 104, 103 because they were in the military and they took a long time to get on between hiring freezes and other things that were taking place. It was not an easy 
road for some of them. We had women that, that were on the job with us, 70, 70. Later on, years later, when I got a, hired into background investigations now, I become a background investigator. And I'm sitting there at the table and we break people down into their ethnic backgrounds. Oh, this person looks like this. They have a name like that. So maybe, are they this race or are they this one? Well, let's put them over here in the pile that's unknown. And we'll have their investigator get back to them to determine, are they this or that? Pacific Islander or Asian? Because those are two separate things. Do you understand how corrupt that is? Well, Eric, shouldn't the police department, fire department be representative of the people that they serve? No. No. They should be the people that are qualified and that want to do the job. You know how hard it was for us to hire Asians when I was a, uh, a, a recruiter for LAPD? If you were a smart Asian or a smart female black, you got college scholarships, you got opportunities to go to almost any university. It wasn't a well-respected career in their culture, in their family background. That's why. It doesn't mean it's not a well-respected career. It was for me and it is for many, many people. I'm just saying that's what we ran into when we were background investigators or recruiters. Is we would we would speak to, and they would say, "Look, this is not a profession I want my son to be in. He should be a heart surgeon. He should be a professor, an engineer." So you can see how difficult it was. There was a natural selection of people that liked working in law enforcement and people that didn't people that respected it as a career as a future and those that didn't but what we were doing was trying to fit a square peg into a round hole to check a box called racist when you look first at someone's race or sex or gender it is racist affirmative action is racist you're telling me that it's okay racism ah okay got it listen up I, I can argue both ways with you i see I get it. All right, let's let's but it's still racist. You you can't judge a person's ability to do a job well based on their gender or their race because we need to check a box. We need 17 more female airline pilots. Lower the standards. Really? You guys think that's okay? How about you just say, hey, we're going to allow amazing programs. In fact, they're not being represented. Got it. Let's go down to the teenagers. Let's do introduction flight courses to young people in the, in the parts of town that, that you want represented in the airline pilot world. Right? Let's go to the, the neighborhoods and give them flying lessons and teach them aeronautical engineering and all the things that go with being a pilot. That's what you do. You don't pick somebody who's got a 74 on their oral score and you say, hey, listen, it looks like you can be a good airline pilot. Why? Because we, we need a male black. We need a female white. We need a, a, a black, female, Asian, gay, transgender thing. Let's put them all there. You don't do that. Oh, yes, you do. If you're living in Gavin Newsom's California, Joe Biden's America, what you look like is much more important than your intellect, your intelligence. And what a shame. 
I mean, you understand who is the loser besides the people on the plane that die because that person doesn't have the uh, ability to, to rescue the plane? Okay, maybe. But you know who suffers the most? Are the people of whatever gender or, or religion or race that they are trying to put into that bucket, fit the square peg into the round hole. Sometimes there are round holes, right? There are, there are round people that want to do the job. I'm trying to use my metaphor. I think I can't stretch it much further, but you get the idea. There are sometimes female blacks that are brilliant at being an airline pilot, and they want to be an airline pilot. Not all female blacks want to be airline pilots, but some do. Imagine if she would have scored well, and now she sits there, and she's the pilot, and somebody walks by and says, Hi, good morning. Oh, no. Is she here because she really deserves to be here or because they were trying to check a box? <clears throat> Do you see who suffers the most? When we're in law enforcement world and you sit down, Hi, welcome, new sergeant, so-and-so. And in the front of the room, if the new sergeant so-and-so was white, everybody thought they deserved to be there because they knew how hard it was to be a sergeant if you were a male white. But if Sergeant so-and-so is a female black, female Hispanic, male black, you get it? Immediately loses the respect of the room. But nobody says it. Shh. Is that not right for the, for the people that actually deserve to be there who, who beat out everybody fair and square and kick their fanny and, and is smarter than I could ever be when it comes to flying a plane, by the way? These people are brilliant pilots. Do you see what I mean? It's not, it's not fair. I hate the F word. It's not right for the ones that work hard and actually deserve to be there. Just, oh, well, you know, we're righting wrongs of history. Okay, well, then you understand the people you're hurting along the way, the people you're poisoning along the way are the ones that actually deserve to be there. What a yucky! I remember when affirmative action, when it came along, I remember thinking, as ignorant as a 21-year-old was, of life, this doesn't seem right. Like, there's something wrong. I, I get that there's people that are smarter than me, and I defer, just like you did. Oh, they must be smarter. Oh, I don't know. They must know. I don't know. That guy's a, a, a spokesperson for the Defense Department. Mr. Kirby, he must know. Okay, well, he must know. Karine Jean-Pierre, boy, she, she must know. She, look at her. She's got that job. She must know. After a while, you, you look at those folks and you're like, mm, maybe not. Well, they started lowering standards not just for pilots, not just for police officers. But a report comes out this week. Are you ready? Da, 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 da. Lowering hiring standards for nurses so that they can fill the ranks. Nurses. Can, do you understand that? Here's why. Retired nurse, it's a report uh, this week, Fox Business, retired nurse faces difficult reality of returning back to work to make ends meet. She retired some time ago. Listen, there was a study recently going back, uh, recently reported that going back this year, that one out of eight retirees going back to work just to make ends meet. One out of eight, you work with us or, or any, there's a lot of really good financial people. Find one that fits your personality, 
understands you. If you listen to the first half of the show, if you didn't, go back and listen to the podcast. Very important. You have to listen to the first hour, half hour of the show. Right? It'll be up on podcast in a couple of days. You go to uh, aim870theanswer.com, click on podcasts, go down to Total Financial Solutions, Total Financial Hour, actually, and you'll see it. You need a financial professional that understands your personality type. You need a financial professional that understands who you are, that what, what you do, what your strengths. Find one if it's not us. We're not right for everybody. But here's why. I don't want you going back to work four years after you retire. There needs to be a financial structure, a plan, an income strategy. There needs to be something that you can lay out that it doesn't have a problem when you turn on income. Up next. And we go along. Oh, it's starting to get a little tight again, Arif. Can you start that other account? Yep, here we go. Here's another $800 a month. Got it. That feels good. Up. Hey, Arif, I need a little bit more. What do you, well, I can do a thousand a month. Let's start it. A thousand a month. Life is good now. You see, you're the one that's worked for this money. It's supposed to go in your pocket. Certainly not the government. And your kids, remember, they should inherit real estate, life insurance, Roth IRAs, wherever the Roth IRA is. You can have a Roth IRA in an annuity, Roth IRA in a savings account at a bank, a Roth IRA. In a mutual fund, you can have a Roth IRA a lot of places. Because by giving your children those assets, real estate, life insurance, stock market accounts, right? Non-qualified is what it's called. Non-retirement stock market, stock bond, mutual fund type accounts. They receive it tax-free. Nearly tax-free, almost always 100% tax-free. Don't you like tax-free? I know I do. My kids do. So that's, but, but what about my accounts, Eric? What about my IRAs? Yes, ready for this? Your IRAs have to go to you. They need to be spent for you. So this whole idea that, uh, what is that, 12, 10, 12% of people are going back to work And so here we have a retired nurse. There's a story about her, and it really talks about a lot of people going back to work in retirement. But let me be clear on this. This is important. If you are planning on retiring, you need a strategy. And that strategy has to be structured where we are not going to lose money. Because if you need money, if you want to start spending money, if you're in a place to turn on that income stream and it's less than what you had, or you start to lose money, now you have a problem, right? Because you can lose money, now you're spending it, and you lost it, and in some cases you're paying fees. I don't like any of those things. I don't like us losing money, I don't like us paying fees. You better be making something more than your fees, that's for sure. You're the one that worked for this money, not your financial professional. You know how many financial professionals, we did one this week. We had a client this week come in. We looked at their account. They made $29,000. Okay, I won't tell you how much it started. It doesn't all matter. They made $29,000. Listen, I'm glad. I I prefer you make something than lose something. So $29,000. Good job. That's what they made since they've had this account. 
33000 in fees since they had the account. They paid 30, which means they really made about, what is that, 62000 So they made 62000 Financial broker, professional, real estate company, uh, sorry, real estate company, uh, uh, investment company, whoever it is, mutual fund broker, they made 30000 plus, and you put 29000 in your pocket. You see, how you check to see if these accounts are right for you is simple. How much did I put in and what's it worth? And how long did it take me to get there? That's what you care about. All the other beta ratios of alpha ratios of we're going to look at the overall spread. No, no, no. How much did I put in? What is it worth now? What did it cost me to get there? Right? Don't ask. Don't say the word fee because fee is one of the costs. It is not all of the cost. That's one of the little tricks in the financial world. They'll, they'll, oh, fee. Oh, the fee's $25. See, Arif, the fee is $25. I said, well, well, well wait a second. Uh, um, what about the 12B1 cost? Expense ratios. Uh, this account might have uh, management fees and on and on and on. Ah, okay. That's different now, isn't it? What's my total cost? That's the difference. So you always ask that. I don't know what's going to happen as they keep lowering standards. I think what we should do is pay more money. I know that is horrible, but we don't have a choice. I'd prefer to say, listen, you wanted your son to be a heart surgeon. I get it, but we're going to pay him a lot more money to be a police officer. Because we would get that. Parents would come in and they would put their foot down, especially a lot of Asian parents. Because in most Asian countries, the police officers are very corrupt. It's very disrespectful. It's like the... Biblical tax collector, right? Nobody wanted to have a son or a daughter that was a tax collector. Well, in a lot of Asian countries, the police officers are corrupt. So there was no pride in, in being part of law enforcement. So we'd have to go and meet them, and almost like an army recruiter, right? No, your son's going to be cared for. They're going to work together and on and on. I just want you to understand that as you guys go through this, if you're somebody who's going to retire or be forced to retire, that you have a right strategy. Otherwise, you'll be back to work. So what do you do? Very simple. If you have a license of any sort, nursing license, teaching credential, uh, any kind of licensing or certification, real estate, uh, loan, keep it. Keep it for at least 10 years after you retire. Because we don't know who the next president's going to be. I think they phonied the election. I didn't think so at first. I thought it was a, like you know the, the left won fair and square. But all you have to do is research it, spend a little time, talk to people, watch the show 2,000 Mules, and I think you'll see something. You'll see how corrupt the election was. So if they do that again and Kamala Harris is the president, what's going to happen in 10 years? Probably more inflation. Maybe you have to go back to work. All right, before we finish this hour of the show... You're voting this this week. Deborah Archuleta, I told you before, she's my favorite. You want a district attorney that's going to, to actually represent decency and fairness. Deborah Archuleta, I think she has the best shot of beating a male Hispanic. This is just raw politics. A male white does not have a chance in Los Angeles County, period. I wish that's not the truth, but it is. But a female Hispanic... Judge Deborah Archuleta, you've heard me say. All right, guys, stay with me after the break. Your emails, 
very interesting ones. We'll be right back. Eric Hallaby, stay with me. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Eric Halby, Total Financial Hour, your place for news, talk, and information. Thank you for being with us on the second hour. This is our second hour, and it's because you ask for it. And I like that. I, I think my job here is to serve you. It's a very big deal to me, actually. I, I want you to understand, I take this very seriously. One, if you trust us with your financial life, that is not something I take lightly. One, because you can choose a lot of other people, but also it's because you're somebody who worked hard for this money. It's not mine. My job is to caretake for it, right? It's like if I was a landscape architect designing a house for you, you're the one paying for it. It's your home. I'm doing it for you. So that's my job. All right. A couple of things as we go through this, uh, these emails, I want to give you the email address one more time. It's Arif, A-R-I-F, Arif at TFSWealth.com. So Arif, A-R-I-F at TFSWealth.com. Com. I told you I was going to tell you about my name. I didn't. Uh, let me do that now. Uh, so it's my grandfather's name. It's my dad's dad's name. It's from Lebanon. Uh, there's also uh, other folks in the Middle East uh, that ha- have a similar name, Pakistan, Afghanistan, I've, many other Arab countries. And by the way, just a quick little, I love this. This is a little geography. A little, hey, did you know? Ready for that? Here it is. The Arab countries, the dividing line of the Arab countries is Iraq and Iran. Iraq and Iran, right? If you look at the Iraq-Iran, uh, the, the languages, some of the letters are the same, but, but nothing else. Iran has a lot more culturally in common with Afghanistan and India, Tajikistan, and all the other stands, right? Afghanistan, Pakistan, those are all very similar, divided up by the powers of the world, mostly based on religion and tribal issues and other things. So when people see somebody like Iran, right, like when I was younger and kids would run around and say, oh, let the hostages go. I'm like, okay, Lebanon is Phoenician. My grandmother has blue eyes because it was a real big trading route right at the mouth of the, or or at least at the back of of the Mediterranean Sea. My dad has blue eyes. My grandmother had blue eyes, right? I mean, you understand that. So I get that you thought that. Iran, and you're just kids being dumb, but that Iran and and Lebanon are similar. They're not, not even close, right? Regionally, there might be similarities, just like if you've never been in Mexico and you live in Phoenix, you probably will eat guacamole and salsa, right? There are some foods where if you can be in one country or the other, and you'll enjoy it and you'll like it, but it doesn't mean you're Mexican because you eat guacamole or salsa. Follow me? So anyway... A little different. So, so the name Arif transcends all of those because it's Arabic, but it's also part of the Quran. And I am a Christian, so I have nothing to, to do with the Quran, but, but it's my dad's, dad's name. It means somebody who's smart. I told you I would tell you. I'm always humble about that because it's a little weird. Hey, I, my name says I'm smart, so uh, the only place I have to go is down. And you're like, wait. Yeah, it says a guy who knows a lot. So anyway, that's my name. <clears throat> it's funny when my dad brought everybody from from Lebanon 
1976. Most of the family, there was a couple families here prior to that, but over 40 members of his family he brought out in the middle of the Civil War. It's an amazing story. Uh, sometimes I'll play it. I interviewed my dad. He's now passed last summer, just before Father's Day, and I interviewed him for three three Father's Days. I would say three out of the last five, six, seven years, something like that. And uh, one of the interviews with him was about the ability, uh, what he actually did to bring people out of Lebanon. And, and it's fascinating when you think about it because they didn't have birthdays. They just, I mean, they kind of knew when they were born. It was hot outside. It was cold. There was snow on the ground. And my dad had to bring all of them here to the United States within a very short period of time because the war was happening. So it's a fascinating story. Anyway, most of them changed their name or they added an American name to it, right? Whether it's uh, Cal or Sal. I mean, they just shortened names. Or But I didn't. My dad gave all of his kids Lebanese names. And I told you, I am as white as President Obama. Each of us are exactly the same. 50% Caucasian. But I have an Arabic name. And he has a Muslim name. So maybe that's the same thing, I guess. We'll see. All right, your emails. Why do I share this with you? I think because I want you to know who we are, both as a firm and me as a person. Last month was 20 years on the radio. I think we're just past 4,000 radio shows and hours on the air. Chance for you to learn about financial stuff. Always something different. We talk about debt. Sometimes we talk about insurance. Sometimes we talk about savings and investing and planning and uh, cultural stuff and travel. I think the idea is for you to have a place that you can get information that isn't part of this woke left-wing ideology. The left has learned to use language very well. I mean, let's give credit where credit is due. The left uses right-wing, right-wing, Nazis. Right? We need to start instead of, oh, progressive, la, 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 la. Was that a butterfly? No, it was a hum- hummingbird. Oh, that's sweet. Those progressives, oh, right wing, right wing. You're like, hey, how about we start calling them left wing, the left wing. Remember it was leftist guerrillas? Go back to the 80s. Remember the Sandinistas? They were communists supported by Fidel Castro. The leftist guerrillas, they were leftists. Socialist party, the FARC, F-A-R-C, in Colombia, the Revolutionary Communist Party of Colombia, they don't do that. The, the media doesn't do that anymore. They don't talk about communism or socialism or left wing. They're just progressives. That's sweet. So I want you to start fighting. You've heard me say before, if you're going to stay here in California, you better do one thing. You better fight. If you're not, you're in the way. Just leave. And I don't mean to disrespect you. I just mean to tell you the truth. Because what's going to happen is this. You're going to stay in a state and you keep acquiescing. I told you that the state of California in January fined, fined, that means charged, for no reason, all employers, doesn't matter, more money because you have an employer in the, st- in the state. Well, because you have employees. You have five employees. You pay five times. I think it's $355 per employee. Ten employees. $3,550. Why do you think the big companies have left? Almost 10,000 companies now have left. And those aren't just small. Those aren't mom and pop bakeries. 
I'm not even including those. The little businesses. Have you seen Oakland? In-N-Out Burger never shuts down a hamburger stand. And they shut down Oakland. Walmart never shuts down a store. Except with all of the crime in Panorama City. I remember when I was a player. I'm like, Walmart shut down? What happened? They wouldn't allow us to prosecute. So... They're like, we can't do business. We're not a charity. People come in to steal. You can't arrest them. Right? There should be a physical altercation. You should hire big, bad football players, huge guys. You set them at the door. Somebody starts grabbing all the iPhones and running out the door. You grab them. You you should be able to hire people that are doing something like that. It's your business. So why is it, have you asked yourself, why is it that the left wing wants chaos? I think they want chaos because they enjoy the idea of having people feel helpless and turn to the government. You see, if they have empowered you to protect yourself, if they empower you to provide for yourself, then there's really no reason to need the government as much but then they're out of a job, right? You've heard it. You've seen it. It's always been a joke driving down the freeway, four people watching one guy dig a hole, right? That hole, that hole in the ground costs $10,000 today to dig because all those people watching all those things, you see the difference? I'm not saying all government employees knock it off, right? This isn't high school. Of course we need the military. We need air traffic controllers. We need border guards. Of course, this is your country. You need people to to build bridges and roads and on and on. What you don't need is 75 people watching one person dig a hole. Or, ready for this, the National Education, uh, what do they call it? The, The Department of Education. Why would you need a Department of Education when the state has a Department of Education, the county has a Department of Education, the city has a Department of Education, and the district, the school district, is a Department of Education? Can you explain to me why you need six layers to educate one fifth grader? Oh, because of the pensions. Got it. Right, the paychecks. Mm -hmm. Just deregulate the Department of Water and Power. Allow people to use any water company that they want, allow people to use any power company that they want, allow the Department of Water and Power and Southern California Edison to actually have to honor, what, nuh-uh. Did you just say honor? You mean like when they told somebody, when they put solar on their their roof, and I I don't know the exact numbers, I'm just going to guess, but it's the ratios are the same, that we're going to give you 45 cents for every kilowatt hour. I don't know what the number is, figure And then in turn, guess what they did? They lowered it down to five cents. Sorry, I guess you owe us. Like, but what do you mean? I just paid $15,000, $40,000 for this solar stuff on my roof. I have to maintain my roof. I have to put in new shingles. I have to repair it, clean it. Now you're telling me that you changed the deal? Give me my money back for the solar. Oh, you don't do that, do you? Uh Uh-uh. 
So now I just became, my roof became a power plant for you to make sure you have an amazing pension and for the Department of Water and Power to charge old ladies, you thought it was going to be property tax. Oh, we have Prop 13. They can't kick me out of my house. No, no, old ladies, you can't, you're not going to have energy. They just shift the taxes and they call it something else. And they put it on your electric bill or your water bill. And then, of course, once you start asking, it's for the children. Mm, children and old people. Nurses, we like nurses still. Children, old people, nurses. And migrants. They don't even call them illegal immigrants. They're migrants. No, 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 no. Migrant comes, picks lettuce, and leaves. These are not migrants. These are illegal immigrants. They come in from China and many other places, and they never go back. That's who they are. Okay, human beings, God-fearing, yes, yes, yes. Lovely people, right. Maybe some. I, I, I get it. But just explain to me why we have older senior clients that are losing their home. Now, look, it, it, it's not like it's going to the auction block. But when you have to adjust your uh, thermostat, when you have to adjust the length of shower or the amount of food that you can buy so that your bills have to still balance at the end. Why? Because when you bought your solar and you thought you were doing something to get free electricity because you had the bigger solar panels, surprise, it doesn't produce enough. Well, it doesn't produce enough because of the way that they change the billing. You see, they changed the story before it was over. That doesn't seem right, does it? Hmm, maybe not. So consequently, let's talk about this. Now what's going to happen? Dear Arif, I was married for 38 years and I have been divorced for three. I am 66 years old and plan on staying close to my five grandkids. But I am concerned about California policies and the financial stability of the state. Because of that, because that means higher taxes for me, my kids, and my grandkids. My concern is that my kids may not be able to stay here if they move. I'm not sure if I can afford to move with them. Okay, here's what we do. First of all, I want you to go to places that you'd want to live or where your grandkids are going to move to, and I want you to visit. Maybe it is grass is always greener story, and you get there, and it isn't what you think. So if you're considering moving, then you go there and you check it out. You see what it's like. Maybe it's the right place. Maybe not. Maybe it's something you enjoy doing uh, as far as the community. Maybe it's not the place you want to be. Right? So, so consider this. This could be the answer for you is to go there, check it out, and put all those fears, hopes, everything else, just put it aside. We're done. Or you might go there and find out you like it. Do I think there's going to be some big changes? Yes. So here's the kind of a layout. You've been married for 38 years, divorced for three. All you have to do in the, in the United States is be married for 10 years and 10 minutes. If you are, then you are eligible for your previous spouse for half of their social security check. And it, when I say half, it's about half. It depends on how old you are, how old he or she is, and when they turn it on. So there's a little bit of formula, but let's say between 40 and 50%. You're entitled to about half 
of their social security check or 100% of yours. So if your own working effort created more than half of what his would be, then you're going to get your own because you'll always get the higher of the two. When he passes away, even if you're not married anymore, three years, eight years, 20 years from now, you're entitled to all of his. So if yours is 2000 a month and his is 3500 a month and he passes away, you receive, stay with me, 3500 a month. Okay, so I'm not saying you're wishing for him to pass. It's not nice. But it does give you a bit of perspective that you were married for more than 10 years. Now, for those married less than 10 years, there's no impact on Social Security. It's just your own effort. So hopefully yours is high enough and you're doing well. Here's the other part. I want you to consider maybe even teaming up because you have five grandkids. I'd almost say if they're close enough, I would say almost creating your own syndicate. Have some financial knowledge. Sit down with all of them and say, hi, how many of you plan on staying here? You can do a family meeting, cook, cook whatever your favorite dish is and bring it to their attention. Here's the problem, guys. It's going to be a decade before you can afford a house in California. How many of you want to stay and how many of you want to go? If everybody says I'm going to stay, then we say, let's build a plan together as a family. What if we all went in on a duplex or a fourplex? What if we all went in to buy a house with an auxiliary dwelling unit, ADU? Do you see what I'm saying? I want you guys to come together. Part of the reason that, that uh, I know it's a bit of a side, but you'll see, me, you'll see it wrap back around here. Okay, stay with me. It's a sidetrack. Part of the reason that you go to a 7-Eleven and you see Indian owners is because when one or two of them came over, and it might have been 10, I don't know, what they did is they created a financial, uh, I don't want to say a bank, but a, a financial mechanism so that one would lend another person money. You didn't have to go to the banking institutions, the credit unions or the banks. Instead, within their own community, they lent themselves money. And then you now were successful and you had your own store. And then as time went on, you added to this pot. And now there's five of us putting in. And now we can bring somebody else from India. They would bring money. We would give them the rest of the money. We would teach them and they would do it again. So you see, it was basically a closed system. It had nothing to do with the banking rules and the loans and the, and the credibility that your, your credit score would give because many people didn't have a credit score. They were new here. But they didn't come here to beg and to get free medical insurance. They didn't come here to get free education for their kids and never want to learn English. Instead, they came here to contribute and make society better. So that's what they did. And then they would lend money to the next person. Now, meanwhile, they're having children and, and raising their children with the entrepreneurial spirit. They're building their wealth. So there are a lot of communities like that. The Korean community did, did that. The Vietnamese community did that. A lot of Asian communities, as I think about it. Filipinos, etc. So as they did that to raise money and to kind of create a little syndicate, if you will, maybe that's what you do with your grandkids. 
you're young enough. You're 66 years old, five grandkids. You can sit down. I don't know their ages. They're probably in their teens, maybe 20s. Maybe you sit down with the kids. You say, what if we all put money and we met on a monthly basis, we put money into a pot, and the goal of this money is to help the next one buy a house. And then that person, they have to put money back into the system so the next one buys a house. So what you do, and you can create, how do we decide who the next person is? You can create your own set of rules. But if you're going to stay here, you will pay higher taxes. You have to pay higher taxes. California is broke. It depends on how you measure it. But just the general budget, okay, just the general budget, is probably 85 to $100 billion upside down. So the answer to California is not more money. That is not the answer. It's to stop spending. You have to lay off 25%. I would go to every department in the state and I would say lay off 25%. If you're not a direct public safety, lay off 25%. Keep the firefighters, the CAL FIRE, keep the law enforcement because those are already understaffed. But everything else, keep the prison guards, lay off all of these government workers. And you know what else you do? Ready for this? Stop these take-home cars. How many of you have driven on the freeways and you look at these state of California license plate? I don't mean the white ones. I mean the ones that say government government uh, vehicle. Go to the grocery store. Go to your daughter's dance recital. You look at them in the parking lot. These folks drive these cars. Who do you think pays for the gasoline, by the way? Yeah, you do. Oh, Eric, if you don't understand, they have to. Listen, all of us have to, problems. All of us take work home. All of us have jobs that we have to drive to, sometimes really, really far. Ask construction man who lives in Palmdale and works in, in Point Wainimi. Why don't you ask them? Oh, does he drive for work? Yeah, guess who pays for the gas? Ready for this? Mm, him. Not everybody else on the freeways. I know it stinks, but we don't have the money. You need to lay off some of these administrators. Flatten the system. And maybe she can stay in the state until she passes between now and dead. And maybe her grandkids will have a chance to resurrect the state. But the only way it's going to happen, the only way, is if we stop spending. Not if we find more taxes. There's a, a story going around the internet, one of the social media sites. You can figure it out. You jump around and, it, and it'll show you all the taxes that you pay. Everything from the tax for a plastic bag, the tax for the water bottle, right? They convinced you it's for recycling. It's just another tax that gets absorbed into their system. The five cents, 10 cents for the plastic bottle. No, no, zero. It is corruption. The tax for your gasoline, go over the border. Go 10 minutes over the border, not in any direction. I mean, uh, not the Mexican border, but uh, the Arizona, Nevada, Oregon border. See what the price of fuel is. Fly into the Midwest. See what the price of fuel is. Do you think it's because what? They pay people more money in the state of California or they tax the daylights out of it? This election is happening right now. Zero, no, no on every single bond measure. 
There is nothing right now that I'm driving around going, oh, gosh, if only we passed one more law. I mean, everything is good, but it would be great if we had clean water. I mean, our water right now is filthy. I need clean water. You realize the last time they made you pass this thing, it was for clean water. So you've been drinking clean water. You're going to be all right with clean water. Air, they did that mess. You milked that for a while. Global warming, we've been doing that. Now it's climate change. It's always something, please pass this bond measure. No on every single bond. I don't need anything. It's not like I'm running around. Because the Democrats that control the state, I want you to be clear on this. There is nothing that they want to pass that I would agree with that's going to tax me more money. They are, if, they, if there was a bond measure that says we're going to spend less money and we're going to lay off half, I would be for it. But do you see the left wing controls the state? There are no Democrats in the state. Catherine Barger, if anything, is a token. Zero influence. Oh, Eric, that's not the way. Zero influence. She lost all of my respect when she chased out Villanueva. A man who I didn't vote for initially, just so you know. But he was effective. So she made up this whole story with everybody else. Oh, gangs. Oh, deputy gangs, gangs, gangs. Oh, yeah, gangs. What's the difference between her and the left wing? There's an R with parentheses after her name. That's all. Just so you know. Stay with me after the break, guys. Arif Hallaby. Another email. This one's long. I'm going to get into it pretty quick, so stay with me. I'm Arif Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Hour on Amy 70 The Answer. Thanks to Arab Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. The total financial hour. Learn about financial power. The total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Arab The total financial hour, AM 870, the answer. Triple eight ninety nine retire 888-997-3847. That's 888-997-3847. Three, eight, four, seven. All right, that's it. Hey, many of you have asked, hey, Arif, what are you doing? Who are you voting for when it comes to district attorney? Okay, my vote is going in the primary to Deborah Archuleta. Judge Archuleta, she's been elected twice, a female Hispanic, amazing story, a prosecutor before being a judge for the last six, seven years. Uh, very, very intelligent, knows how to fix the problem and has most, if not all, of my values, all right? Deborah Archuleta, much more than a male white is going to win. I hate the race politics, but we need to win, right? For the same reason, Florida and Texas needs to remove Joe Biden from the ballot. His corruption, his uh, inadequacies as president, and even... If they say, well, that's not enough, or that's not proven, got it. His mental faculties. Remove him from the ballot. Why? Because that's what the left wing is doing to President 
Trump. Why do you think they're trying to do that in these different states? Just do the same thing. You know how quickly this will get to the Supreme Court and be done? 15 minutes. It's over. Remove him from the ballot and we'll be done. Oh, conservatives, we don't play that way. That's why we are different. No, no, that's why you are losers. That's why we lost the state of California, because the left wing is dirty. The left wing cheats. I told you 20 years ago, I think I told you guys, 20 years ago when I was getting involved in local politics uh, and I was supporting our state assemblyman at the time, and he, he came to me and said, uh, he said, listen, here's what we need to do. We have to overcome a 6% deficit in this area. I said, 6%? Well, why, why do you say 6 He goes, because we account for about 6% of cheating. The Democrat, this is 20 years ago. The Democrats cheat 6%. We all know it. They know it. So they start the raise at 6% ahead of us, even though one ballot hasn't been cast yet. I said, how do they do that? Well, it's illegal aliens uh, uh, casting votes. It's dead people casting votes. It's people casting two votes. I said, they can do that? That's a thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we all know it. So we just have to know that we have to, we're starting the race, you know, 6% behind. I thought, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is... This is an open secret. We all know this. Why isn't anybody doing anything about it? Why is even the left wing not saying something about this? Like, hey, oh, wait, that's because that's their values. Truth and honesty is not one of them. Winning is their value. Oh, well, California, we don't. We don't uh, ballot harvest. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. And we, we don't stand up and push back against this mail-in ballot. We think it's for the children. For children and old people that can't get out of the house. Oh, you can for a hair appointment. You can't get out to vote, but you can go to your doctor visit. You can't get out to vote, but you can go to your hairdresser or your nail appointment. I think once every couple of years, you can get out and vote. Oh, they have a, a, a autoimmune disease. That's the latest thing, right? It used to be peanut allergy. Now it's autoimmune disease. I, listen, I'm not making fun of people have those things. I get it. Wear a mask. Right? Listen, if you have something that you couldn't live 47 years of your life, but now you can, okay, that's what you do. But you shouldn't be sending out five and eight ballots to people that have one or two people in their home. You certainly shouldn't be sending out, I've heard, you've heard me say before, uh, a friend of mine has 24 apartments, buildings. I think there's uh, 32 the other day I checked. I think he said 32 people live there. 140 ballots showed up. There's 32 souls that live there, and some of them are probably not citizens, let alone maybe illegal. I don't know. Just because it's L.A., there's got to be something somewhere in a larger place because that's what sanctuary city. I didn't make the rules. Sanctuary city. But even if all 32 are eligible to vote, how is 100 more ballots showing up there? And you know, some of them are mail carriers that pop in. Not all mail carriers are hardest working. Yeah, yeah, some of them are not. You know who they are. It's not me. And they take the ballots. Just like baggage handlers, some of them steal the stuff. Not all of them, Arif. No, no, most of them are hardworking. Sometimes people know when the ballots arrive, just like, remember... When Social Security checks and welfare checks would arrive at the first of the month, guess who would have their trucks broken into? Yep, mail carriers. Yep, mailboxes. Yep, ghetto 
bad neighborhood, whatever you call it, high disability, welfare. Yep, those apartments broken into. The mailboxes. Not everyone, not all the time, but enough. So when are the conservatives, the Republicans, going to fight? That's why I say, listen, if you're not going to fight, I don't mean ballot harvest. You don't have to do that. There's other skills. Some of you are good at making phone calls. Some of you. But here's what I want you to do. Pick one issue. And I want you to be an expert at it. Immigration. Give me all the details. Why is it phony to say that they are asylum seekers? Tell me why. Uh, The border wall. Tell me why. Get into it. Know the details. Uh, Russia. Why are we supporting Ukraine? How corrupt is Ukraine? Let's find out. Tell me why. Ukraine was a place where bioweapons labs were literally on the border of Russia. American bioweapons labs supported by Fauci. Yes. Ooh, remember that name? The F word. Mr. Fauci. Supported by him and his agency. We had, quote, research in Ukraine. I'm not saying, listen, I like Ukrainians. I have friends that are Ukrainian. I get it. But you can't tell me when Russia says you better not, and we do it, and then there's consequences. You better not say Ukraine is going to be part of NATO. We don't want them knocking on our door one step away. right? What if uh, Canada becomes the enemy right at our doorstep with a large border? Would you not say, hey, we better take preemptive, preemptive action? Both of those are wrong. But you still are self-preservation mode. Uh, listen, I think what Putin did was wrong. There's a lot of other ways he could have fixed the problem. He's just a bad guy, so that's what he does. Bad guys do bad things. So what issue are you going to become an expert in? You pick one. Become an expert. That's what you stand up for. That's what you fight. That's what you debate. Or you leave. Leave California because otherwise you're in the way. And you're going to be hurt. You see, the left wing doesn't want to control your mind. That's a, that's a wrong thing that everybody keeps talking about. They want to control you. No, no, no. They want to control your actions. You see, it's always what dictatorships and kleptocracies, that's what they do. They know they can't get in and control your mind, but they can control your actions. That's why they give you a social scoring system. Right in China based on your actions. You're in your own home. You can think whatever you want inside of your own mind. But you can't go out and stand up for something or protest or or take a stand because they go after you. So keep that in mind. All right, I want to get you this next email. This is an interesting one. Because every once in a while, we get somebody walking into the office talking about this as a concern. So I want to bring it up to your attention because in this particular case... She has a real concern, and it could be something that can help you. Dear Arif, my husband and I have been paying for life insurance for most of our life. First, it was because we started having children. That's why we needed it. I was staying home to raise them. My concern was then, if something happened to my husband and his income, that me and my children would suffer financially. Next, it was our house mortgage. That was our main concern Paying it off was our biggest priority if something happened to either of us. Next, 
it was to make sure that our savings and retirement accounts would be enough to provide lifetime income if either one of us passed away. Now that all of that is over and our concerns are no longer uh, for a need of life insurance, we are wondering at the age of 72 and 74, our house is paid for, it's worth almost $2 million, do we need life insurance? We have a house mortgage on one of our two rentals. Our income is currently $3,000 a month from uh, Social Security, $1,500 a month from a pension, and $2,500 a month from our rentals. We would like to increase the amount, maybe three dollars or $4,000, in order to travel and to help our grandkids out. Do you see any place that we can do that? And do we still need life insurance? Okay. So let me clarify this with the two of you guys. First of all, a little bit of background. There's two different life insurance policies out there. There, There's more, but let's just call it two, uh, generally speaking. One is term. One is cash value. So if you have a specific purpose for a specific period of time, then you should have a term insurance policy, period. You have kids, 12 and 6. I want them all to get through college. I need at least, let's call it a 20-year term life insurance policy. That If one of us passes away, we can still pay for their college education. So how much is their college need? You do the math. That's the amount of life insurance you have. Once they reach age 18 and they start going to college, your savings will pay for it. That's good. But what if you get to the place where you pass away? Well, there isn't enough savings. Do you see what we're doing? We're using life insurance to fill the bucket. And in fact, we're kind of renting a bag of money until we can build up our savings for college. But what about a house mortgage? Okay, it's a 30-year mortgage. We're trying to pay it off early. We're trying to pay it off. We're working on it. It's a 30-year mortgage. We have 10 years left. What if one of us passes away now that all the kids and grandkids are out of the house? They're gone. But what if one of us passes? We lose half of the Social Security You guys know that. When one of you two passes, you lose the lower of the two Social Security checks. That's a big number. So if we're going to lose one of the two Social Security checks, usually the lower of the two, of course, how are we going to continue to pay the mortgage off or accelerate the payment if that's what we're trying to do? We wanted to be able to take a vacation. How are we going to do that if one of us passes away? All right. So here's the case. This is Kay and Ed. So this is what I want us to do. Kay is the one that sent me the email, so I'm going to talk to her. Of course, Ed is also a part of it. So Kay, here's what we do. Now that we know the difference between the two life insurance policies, it sounds like if you still have it at this age, then most likely you have a cash value life insurance. It's also called whole life, universal life, uh, flexible, adjustable, premium, universal life. So anything other than 5, 10, 20, 25, 30-year term. Okay, it's, it's usually one of those numbers. It could be 15 years, but you get the idea. It's a, it's a beginning, middle, and then an end. If you have a cash value life insurance, there should be some cash built up into it. But here's a very important part why I would probably want you to come in and see me. Because sometimes these are built... By the financial professional, usually the life insurance agent, 
where there isn't enough money going into the cash value. So it's not going to sustain itself. So the older you get, the higher the cost of insurance. What that means is each year we get older, we get closer to dying, actuarially speaking, according to the statistics. So we get closer to dying. That means insurance costs more money. But you didn't, you're not paying more money. You're paying the same. Well, they pull from your cash value to fill the difference. So if your premiums are $5,000 a year, but your cost of insurance is 6000 a year, where are they going to get that other $1,000? They pull it from your savings. Okay? That's a very big deal if you are trying to use that money, the savings, to live on later on in life. Right? Because it's a tax-free withdrawal for you. You can take it out, spend it, do whatever you want with it. I want you to do that. I want you to have it for that reason, just in case you both live. Good news. I want your life insurance to be there for you as well. All right. So what kind of insurance do you have? Cash value or term? There's a lot of reasons to have a cash value policy. If you guys have $2 million saved in your retirement accounts, I want you to spend retirement accounts as long as both of you live. Leave the life insurance policy for the kids or grandkids. Leave your three houses, the two rentals and your primary house for your kids and grandkids. All of that is a tax-free transfer to them. Very important, Kay, because this is going to them, even though you might have received some deductions on it, it goes to them tax-free. All right. So what would I do with the retirement accounts? Very simply, if you guys need another three to $4,000 a month, I would split this account into two buckets. Um, you can call it whatever you want, two envelopes, two accounts. One I would do, maybe more, maybe three or four, but at least two. One whose job is to give you the $4,000 a month for the next eight years. Right? So 4000 a month times eight years. That's about a half a million dollars. That half a million dollars is going to pay out 4000 a month. But what do we do with the rest? I put it in the other side. The other account, his job is to grow. So that when the younger of the two, it looks like UK, Ed is going to be 82. You'll be 80 years old. We can flip a switch, turn that account on, and presto, we have enough to live on. Even if one of you passes away, we have enough to replace your Social Security check, the one that we lose. We have enough to live comfortably. We have enough to travel the world. We have enough to give money to other kids and grandkids and maybe even great-grandchildren at that time. And even if we get to the place where you are saying to yourself, I don't want life insurance anymore. I just don't need it anymore. I don't want to keep it. I don't want to have it. Great. You may be able to sell your life insurance policy. Did you know that? There's a lot of things that you can do with a life insurance policy, including selling it. And here's what that means. I'm just going to give you rough numbers, but I want you to understand the concept, not anything specific either for you guys or, or really anybody. It's just the concept. Let's say you have a $1 million life insurance policy and it can be cash value or term. doesn't matter. It's a $1 million life insurance policy and you're pretty sick and you need the money for a liver transplant and nobody's going to give you the money. They're, they're sorry. You don't have 
any money you can borrow. You don't have any friends or family. You can't refinance a house. So for all intents and purposes, you're going to die. You can take that life insurance policy, that $1 million policy, and you can sell it. And maybe you'll receive three or $400,000 cash. Here you go. The, the company, it's usually companies that buy the life insurance policy, will buy the $1 million. And it's going to sound yucky, but they're betting on you dying. You're betting on living. That's why you want the 300000 to go pay for your liver transplant and all the experimental treatment you, you think you need. So we have that side of the equation where you're sick and they will give you three or 400000 Maybe they'll even give you more depending on how sick you are because it's kind of weird. The, the more ill you are, the more diseases, more problems you have, the higher the payout they will give you. Because they know they just have to check their watch 15 minutes. You're probably going to pass away. I know it's rude. But they expect you to pass away. They're going to collect the money quickly, right? I'll give you 300 you know, And two weeks later, I collect a million. This is a good deal, financially speaking, for them. I've always found it a little bit yucky. It's just I'm thinking in the whole world of financial, as smart as I am on some things and not so much on others, there are enough things that I'm pretty good at, maybe even great, and I'm going to focus on those. One of those is not the buying and selling of life insurance policies. It's just a hard, I can't wrap my head around it. Some people can morally and ethically get through those things. That's great. Let them do that. I, that's fine. I just can't. Just not me. But has I, have, I, have I known people whose life is, uh, lives are better? Yes. Early on in my career, somebody needed a kidney transplant. And it was $100,000 from their life insurance policy that helped them actually get a kidney transplant. So, you know, I've seen it help people. It's not that it's only good for the investors. It can be good for everybody involved. All right. What about this? What if you're not sick? You're like, hey, Eric, we're 72, 74. We play pickleball three times a week. We ride our bikes. We hike. We walk. We don't. We're not sick. But we just don't want our life insurance policy anymore. We don't need it. What do I do? All right. So that is a viatical that I just described to you. But a life settlement is different. A life settlement says, well, listen, I'm fine. I'm not sick. I just want to get rid of it. I just want to settle it. One of the biggest buyers of these kind of life insurance policies is Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, and you name the insurance company. I won't go into their names. It's all public information, but you name the insurance company and they are buying these things left and right because they know somebody's going to receive the payout. They might as well pay themselves. See, many life insurance policies get to the place where they are not going to pay out because people stop paying and then a week later they pass. Sorry, tough luck. But there are some that sell them and if you do, people have a chance to collect money on it. So companies, life insurance companies, investment companies, hedge funds will buy billions of dollars of life insurance. They will. So a life settlement is different. A life settlement is simple. A company that specializes in acquiring life insurance policies where they change the ownership, they change the beneficiary so they own it and they're the beneficiary. And you're never going to get 300000 on a million. 
instead of just letting it go and surrendering it, they might give you $100,000. Again, I'm telling you this as a ratio. So you might be healthy at 72, but if you're healthy at 82, they'll pay you more money. Why? Because at 82, you're closer to dying than 72. It sounds horrible, I know. But for them, it's just a math problem. It's math, logic, science. That's all it is for them. And they say, great, I'll give you, uh, instead of 100, I'll give you 180,000 for $1 million. You say, great, it's 180,000 more than I had yesterday. I'll take it. I was going to just cancel it. So now I don't even have to cancel it. Now I'll just sell it to you. I don't care whatever you do. Look, when you do a life settlement, or even a viatical for that matter, you don't pay anymore. The new owner pays, but you don't pay anymore. You're done. You don't have to pay. You don't have to, to... The only thing you have to do with all of these, almost all of them, at least that I know of, that I've seen, is once a year they send you a form just to kind of prove you're still alive. Hey, sign this form. Hey, I'm still alive. Okay, great. Send it in. Usually it's notarized or some sort of a, you know, perjury at the the risk of perjury or something so that nobody is lying for you. But a life settlement, both parties gain. The seller gains monetary value from a policy they don't want anymore, they can't afford, they don't need. And the buyer gets an eventual payout. Okay, here's part of the deal that you got to remember. You're healthy, everything's fine. Okay, an important thing to note is life settlement buyers usually require you to be at least 65 years of age. Sometimes if you have a serious medical condition right in your 50s, 60s, early 60s, then the, then the viatical side, right, which is the one based on health, then they're okay paying for it. But I, I just want to give that as your information and right, rightfully so for everybody else. But here's the thing. Okay, if you guys can afford it, just keep it. Because it would give you peace of mind to know that your children and grandchildren are going to receive something tax-free. Meanwhile, it also gives you the freedom and the flexibility to spend your $2 million on yourself. Because invariably, when people will have a large retirement account, I want to leave something for my kids. No, no, no. I want you to spend those. And what's left goes to charity. Especially in your case, Kay. You guys have three properties and you have life insurance. Let that go to the children. You guys spend the $2 million. And when you pass away, you find a charity or an organization, a hospital. I told you, I've spoken to you guys about Providence. It's one of my favorite. Providence Hospital, maybe that's your charity. Donate it to someplace that's going to do something better than your kids or grandkids or taxable money. Just some ideas. 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. I'm Eric Hallaby. Have a blessed week. On AM870, The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The 
explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.